0: giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com.
1: All right, boys. This is the Fix of And this Sunday night, super friends. Ah, That's Will Brinson. That's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson, this is the Sunday Night Super Friends Week 4 NFL Recap 2023 Edition. All right, to remind all y'all folks out there, here's the plan. We're going to hit on our top 10 takeaways from Week 4. The biggest storylines, the best players, the top plays, and the suspect coaching decisions that bring us together as a nation. Hello, Luke Getzey and Matt Canada. But first, remember, give us a little thumbs up if you're watching us on the YouTube at NFL and CBS. And, of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a show. All right, let's get to it. First up. We're going to Western New York. All right, Breach. Remember uh, three weeks ago when someone on this podcast that looked a lot like me, but less handsome, had some concerns about Josh Allen after four turnovers and the Bills lost to Zach Wilson and the Jets. We all wondered if turnover Josh is going to be a recurring theme. Uh, Yeah, not so much. So they got after it against the old Dolphins. Uh, The Bills, D, had Tua looking uncomfortable at times, which is something Tua hasn't done all season. Breach, are the Bills the best team in the AFC? I don't know about the best team in the AFC, but I
2: will say this: uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, I'm I'm I'm, I'm totally in the Brinson school of humble bragging. Because uh, <laughs> look, I think did we all pick the Bills to win this game? I think we all picked them to beat I the Dolphins. The Bills to win the
0: Super Bowl, but sure, yeah.
1: I picked the Dolphins to win this. Right, that's, well,
2: that's where we're going with this. But of course, Brinson, let me finish talking. Uh, I, had, I had so, Bills is the best bet, actually. This is uh, again. So I had I picked the Bills, uh, and picked the Bills to win the AFCs. Brents to picked them to win the Super Bowl. We're all very high in the Bills. I don't think anyone was off the Bills after week one, even though Josh Allen looked absolutely silly, turn- making four turnovers. Uh, but the one thing about this game, though, is that I'm not ready to crown them as the best team in the AFC, even though I do think they're very good. It's just, it is weird that whenever Josh Allen plays the Dolphins, he looks like he's playing a high school team. Like, he just dominates them. He puts up these huge numbers. I don't know what the Dolphins need to do defensively to just – they can't crack Josh Allen. He's gone out there. uh, I think he has the NFL record for most multiple touchdown pass games against one team. Uh, And It's just staggering with what he's been able to do. But I will say I do think the Bills needed this game – more than Miami did I think this is going to be the Dolphins were undefeated Brinson the Bills still had an ugly loss in week one Dolphins coming off a 70 point game and I feels like if the Dolphins had won this game that you know all you're going to be talking about the rest of the year is that hey look the Dolphins are the team to beat in the AFC East I think the Bills are now that team after winning this game but Brinson it looks like based on your 17 facial expressions you (laughs) disagree
0: I don't think the Bills are the best team in the AFC because I think built the best team in the NFL. Woo-hoo!
1: That's a that's a that's a hot take. Go
0: Washington, ahead. Look, they have won their last three games by ninety points. They they beat two bad teams. They beat the crap out of them, and then they beat the crap out of a good team in the Miami Dolphins. Everybody, all Johnny Come lately. and no offense to Harry's Dolphins. I think I really like Miami. I enjoy them. I think they're fun. Love Mike McDaniel. Uh, i enjoyed watching Tua. Ryan Wilson peacocking around every night, every Sunday night, about how Tua deserves some massive contract. And, you know, Josh Allen, quiet, with, 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 like, Josh Allen just quietly taking care of business. Week one, plays poorly against the Jets, bounces back. And I think, like, maybe in hindsight that Jets lost and the way that they lost that game would be – it ends up being like a springboard for for, like, not saving their season, but for, like, okay – I, Josh Allen is now playing it within the offense. They everybody sort of they 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 batten down the hatches, they circled the wagons, as Chris as Chris Berman used to say, and they they rallied around this team. You remember seeing that pep talk Stephon Diggs was giving Josh Allen uh, against the Jets in that week one loss. Um, and, and I just think that this Buffalo team is complete across the board. Their defense, they allowed the Dolphins to have two uh seven, seven play, seventy-yard plus drives to open it up. Once Mike McDaniel got you know got done with his script. They didn't score again for the for the until the third quarter, and they scored a touchdown in the third quarter, missed a two point conversion, and don't score again for the rest of the game. Right? I mean, the Bills were in total control, total command of this game. They scored on five of their first six possessions. Uh, Josh Allen, as, as that graphic showed, has now. Um, he is one game away from Drew Brees, which is kind of funny, but Brees you know, always stretch it over the goal line uh, with with four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. He has three of those. I mean, he's going to hold this record for a long time uh, when he eventually gets here, probably later this year. And uh Stefan Diggs, most games with 120 plus receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Since the merger, he has four of them. He is behind only. He started with Marvin Harrison and Wesley Walker, behind only Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. I think people sort of forgot just how good Diggs was, and he abused uh, the Miami secondary on Sunday to the tune of three touchdowns. I, I
1: think don't Bills- think anyone forgot that Stefan Diggs was good. I just that um, there are a lot of good teams in the AFC. Let me let me I, the Bills are the best team in the NFL. That's my hot take. No, we heard you at the beginning. That's wrong, but that's okay. That's why we have this conversation. Uh, Breach, let me see what you think about this, because Brinson pointed out that maybe the week one loss to the Jets was a a wake-up game of sorts for the Bills, but you sort of touched on it. The Jaguars can't beat the Texans. The Bills can't beat the Jets, and in the much the same way that the Dolphins can't beat the Bills. So is it just one one big circle failure, or is it, in fact, a situation where the Bills have found a way to – to overcome their demons that aren't the New York Jets.
2: I think that if I'm a Dolphins fan, like, say, Harry, our yeah. producer, then I'm not really worried about this. I'm just uh, crossing my fingers and hope I don't run to the Bills in the playoffs just because they seem to be uh, Miami's kryptonite there. But the Dolphins are running over everyone. They still have a high-powered offense that's tough to stop. The one thing about the Bills, though, is that defense is playing uh, pretty well over the past three weeks without Von Miller. They only have their best pass rusher who is expected to come back and start practicing uh this week now that he's missed the minimum of four games that you have to miss for starting the season on injured reserve. So they're going to get even better defensively. But I would say with the Dolphins, Uh, that, you know, Vic Fangio probably makes this defense better eventually, but I think people got a little high on them because they did play so well over the past two weeks against the Broncos only giving up 20, the Patriots 17, but the more we see from those offenses holding those teams, those point totals, not that impressive. You look at when the dolphins actually played two good teams, the chargers and bills are giving up 41 points per game. So it's a completely different element so there is definitely some of the nfl has all this parody anyone can beat anyone i mean we saw a little bit sunday night which we'll talk about uh with the jets almost knocking off the chiefs so there's definitely an element of the parody uh but i think the bills are the better team like by this much and if you're not watching on youtube it's it's like uh (laughs) eight
0: centimeters
1: one yeah one eighth of a breach uh brinson uh before we move on here give me your your top three
0: teams in the nfl or the afc the nfl uh bills one 49ers two chiefs three
1: neutral field breach let's say they play in cincinnati because cincinnati won't be playing any playoff games this year <laughs> <The, the, laughs> oh! <laughs> wouldn't early uh, dump or pittsburgh it could be either one the dolphins and it's it's warm weather they build, they build a dome the dolphins face the 40 excuse me the, the bills face the 49ers what's the spread in that game and who you taking
2: uh i think the
1: 49ers are probably favored but i think i would pick the Bills.
2: Really,
0: that would be my my exact Super Bowl. Okay, that's what you picked? That's exactly what you. Bills over Niners.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you're well on your way to being a. I think they call it a sharp. You're a sharp. All right. So I think Breach is right, Brinson. Do you agree that there's no need to worry about the Dolphins? This is sort of their kryptonite. Going to Ralph Wilson Stadium, as I like to call it, the Bills and, and. I believe Josh Allen is now ten and two against Miami, and I think that's pretty
0: good. According yeah, to my math. team. By the way, teams that score sixty plus points in a football game uh, now all one and six all time in the in the game following it up. I think too that was sort of the thing that's an where, insane stat. I, I, like, yeah. I don't want yeah. to underplay that because that is absolutely bonkers. Right. Like <laughs> seven teams the have done it, and and like one team has won the next week after scoring sixty points or more. And I think a lot of it too is like if you score seventy points, you're probably you're running a bunch of plays. You know, you're you're spending all week talking about the seventy points you dropped on somebody or the sixty points you dropped on somebody. You are you. Well, it hasn't happened
1: since nineteen sixty six, so it's not going like no, to happen right.
0: every year, right? Well, so you're you're seeing a lot of your video clippings, and and back then you're reading a lot of your like Sanskrit clippings. Um, you know, it's. I think it's just. I think there's just like a a, a natural like a, a a likely letdown from that. And plus, the other thing too was when um when this line came out, we were talking about like the early odds show on, on Monday, and it was like it was like like a bunch of people were like, wait a minute, the, the Bills are favored? The Dolphins just scored 70. And, it, and it, like, you just heard this, like, a bunch of people were like, I mean, the Dolphins, this is the, it's like everyone wanted to take the Dolphins, so they, just, they just scored 70. And the Bills have just been playing really good football. So, um, yeah, I've got uh, I got Buffalo as the best team in football right now. I think right. I think I, I the think Kansas City, and we'll get to them in a minute, um, better defense than people sort of expected. But I want to give Sean McDermott credit very quickly. Buffalo's defense has been outstanding the last three weeks, uh, and we didn't really see it with the Jets. It was hard to kind of figure that out because of the Aaron rodgers Zach Wilson thing, uh, but really has been outstanding the entire season, and McDermott has settled back into calling plays, something he hadn't done in a few years.
1: Yep, no, I agree with that. Nine sacks, four interceptions. And just last for the interest,
2: record, Boston. Wilson, yep. I can I can confirm that Brinson's Super Bowl pick was in fact Bill's 49ers. A commenter said he changes it all the time. I'm looking at our preseason story, so this was not a change. Why would I change of my thinking? Super Bowl pick? With well, the commenters are accusing you of changing it, so I was just backing you up for a second. Uh, <laughs> Wilson's Super Bowl pick was Chargers, Eagles, and mine was Bengals, Cowboys. So, we're Wilson yeah, and I are just hanging
1: yeah, by boy, it, right? yeah, boy. All right, let's go to the team that Brentson thinks is only the second best in the NFL the San Francisco 49ers. They're my QB1 team, my number one team, uh, in large part because of uh, Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy, who Again, dealing once again, 28 21 for two, eight, three, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, he makes playing quarterback look like any of us could do it and, and be successful at it. Shout out to the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon, the first year head coach, and, and um, uh, Josh Dobbs for balling out. But the, at the end of the day, this is all about the 49ers. They feel unstoppable. Uh, Brentson, I'll come back to you. Uh, what is gonna be the speed bump that slows this team up? Because it's it doesn't feel like it's gonna be another team at the NFC. Uh
0: I mean injury, yeah, you know, that's really been sort of I mean, like, and that's random and hard to predict, but the 49ers have been injury prone. Excuse me, the uh the last few years. Uh, you know, part of that maybe may playing those two games back to back at MetLife Stadium with Jimmy G tore his ACL, Nick Bosa tore his. Um it's I mean, like that would probably be my biggest concern. The, the, this team, Brock Purdy. I don't know if it's like a Tom Brady factor or if he's lucky, but like the guy just like doesn't throw the like doesn't throw he like nobody can catch his interceptable passes like they just get dropped all the time. Um, I think he's he's a lot he's just a lot better and more efficient than than people give him credit for, and it's a good case of quarterback who fits really well with an offense and with a coach and with like a playbook and 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 just understanding what Kyle Shanahan wants fitting in perfectly with a Kyle Shanahan offense and then you know Chris McCaffrey uh look you know when, when the trade happened and I mean I'm not I'm not trying to you know uh you know I'm not trying to remind you guys that you said it was a dumb trade uh but I think you both did and I said it was a great trade and they he's just been he's the perfect so you're just making stuff up well, Wilson hated the trade. I know that. He called me an idiot. And said it wasn't going to work out. Uh, and I think you did too, Breach. Christian McCaffrey is the perfect player for a Kyle Shanahan offense. Just in his ability as a as a as a, pa- a smart football player, a pass catcher, a runner, and uh, you know, and, and and he blocks as well too. So, like, I mean, I just think the, the the fact that Purdy and McCaffrey fit so well into what with what they already had into what they do on offense, it's just they're they're going to be a really tough out.
1: So, Breach, let me ask you this, because Purdy is exactly the right fit. And, you know, if it makes you feel better, just assume that the 49ers took him third overall and took Trey Lance in the seventh round because it's a wash at this point. But today, George Kittle only had one target for nine yards. Debo Samuel is a little banged up. And so they just leaned on everyone else, starting with Christian McCaffrey. And Brock Purdy and the defense did the rest. I, I don't. It's only week four. I don't want to overrack, but I'm having trouble seeing what the speed bump is because for John Lynch, the general manager, and Shanahan, the coach, the issues are personnel in terms of finding the right dudes when it comes to quarterback. Everything else appears to fall into place consistently. So is there a scenario, barring staying healthy or you know remaining healthy, that they just keep on keeping on?
2: I, yeah, I mean, I think that they're the best team in the NFC. And, and to the point of Brock Purdy being kind of the perfect quarterback for Shanahan's system because he makes he, he does what Shanahan wants that person to do instead of there is no working outside the system as like Shanahan's been an offensive coordinator or a head coach since 2008 so it's been like forever and I feel like he went to bed tonight thinking that was the best game I've ever seen run in my offense just it, it was it was perfection it was the chef's kiss game where you have Purdy completing 20 of 21 passes. That's the highest completion percentage in 49ers history, the fourth highest in NFL history. And to have a cheat code like Christian McCaffrey back there uh, who can run the ball or catch the ball is just exactly what Shanahan needs. And so what is the speed bump? I mean, we're going to find out if a good team uh, can go toe-to-toe with them because they're going to play the Cowboys in week five. And I think that's the only question mark with the 49ers is we've seen them beat the Cardinals great. They beat the Giants. OK, they beat the Steelers. They're bad. Uh, and they you know, played an interesting <laughs> game with the Rams. But now they are going to have a big game against the Cowboys. So if if they can put up these numbers against the Cowboys defense, then it's just just let's just put them in the playoffs. And we don't need them to play the rest of the season but, because it's out of hand how good they are. And like, like you guys said, it does feel like injuries would be the only thing that can derail them after that.
0: By the way, uh, Brandon Ayuk, man, quietly, six, six targets, six catches, 146 receiving yards. Like he is, is he like the most unheralded star receiver in the NFL right now?
1: Why do you say quietly? Because I I feel like he's making a lot of noise and people seem, I just feel
0: like, I don't feel like people don't lump him in with the star receivers. Well, I mean, he's not
1: Justin Jefferson. What, where, what tier are you putting him in? I mean, I just, I think he's sort of having that
0: breakout year this year.
1: I think he's having a great year too. I just don't know if, I don't think he's flying under the radar. I feel like people know who he is. I mean, that often starts with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, who you identified as a
0: superstar? I mean, Puka long Nakua gets more headlines than Brandon Ayuk.
1: Well, Puka Nakua is having a ridiculous rookie season. He's breaking all sorts of records. I don't know if Brandon Ayuk broke any records so far. Well, and year. the other
2: thing with Brandon Ayuk is that I think people were, especially if you're in a fantasy draft, you probably thought, "Oh, I'll take Debo Samuel ahead of Brandon Ayuk," and it, he's had a quiet past couple weeks. So I don't think he played against the Giants. Uh, he only had like 40 yards against the Rams. So. It, 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 but then he, he blew up against the Steelers. I don't remember what his exact number was, but it was over a hundred yards. But I think part of the reason that he kind of got forgotten is just because he didn't play in week three and only had 40 something yards in week two. So just a little bit of that. Well, but again, But he's, he's,
0: flying, he's flying under the radar. And, and I, think yeah, you, yeah, you guys, I think you guys both agreed with me, even though Wilson attempted to disagree.
1: So uh breach has
0: broken the radar.
1: Yeah. He broke the radar. He's flying under the radar because he's walking. He's not flying at all. Uh, Breach, Brinson said he likes the Bills and then the 49ers. What's your ranking?
2: I would have the 49ers ahead of the Bills. I think the 49ers look like the best team in the NFL right
0: now. They feel
1: like the most complete team and the least likely to falter under pressure. And it's a weird thing to say when you're talking about Josh Allen versus Brock Purdy. but But that's where we are. And I think it comes back to, again, when you have... Luke Getzey or Matt Canada coordinating up your offense. You have Kyle Shanahan. You can get a lot of mileage out of whoever your quarterback is. I like Ken Dorsey. I don't know if Ken Dorsey is great in his job or just has the benefit of of Josh Allen. Um, Josh Allen certainly appears to be playing at his usual all pro level, but I
0: feel more comfortable with Kyle Shanahan. Do you feel like, well, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think Ken Dorsey would probably take Kyle Shanahan too. I mean, do you, you know, Breach mentioned the, the matchups that they've had. I mean, They haven't played like like the Bills. We the of the two teams. We agree the Bills have the best win right against the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, but again, and breach noted about the the Dolphins can't beat the Bills for some reason. I mean, the Texans always beat the Jaguars, but you don't feel like the Jaguars are are an inferior team. I
0: mean, the Steelers, the 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 Rams, who kept it within one score, the Steelers, Giants, and Cardinals are probably three of the bottom ten teams in the NFL right now. They're not great. I'm not saying I'm not saying the Bills. I mean, the Bills stomp. The Raiders and the Commanders too. Like I'm not, and they lost to the Jets. I get it. Um, yeah, you got to play who's on the schedule. Very mm-hmm. interested to see how for, 49ers and uh, Cowboys Sunday night next weekend or next week. A is week, any- a week from this, a week from tonight. is what I'm trying to say. Uh, that's a pretty spicy Sunday night football matchup. We better get a full health. Just in terms of taking the the, I would take the Bills over the Niners. I think it'd be really close. I think on a neutral field, it'd be probably a pick 'em. Maybe the Niners would be a little bit favored. Um, I just think you're. If you're gonna give me the the, uh, I agree that Kyle Shanahan better than Ken Dorsey, but Josh no, I was Allen, making
1: I was making the Ken Dorsey plus Josh Allen. I think I'm still leaning towards Shanahan. Oh uh,
0: yeah, I see. I'll take Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey over Shanahan and Purdy, just because like, if you're down 17 points to the uh, to the opponent in this particular matchup, I mean, I think you're you would much rather have Josh Allen than Brock Purdy. Yeah, not, you, just, you don't want you to just, be
1: down 17. I think it's the
0: well, yeah, but I'm just you know you just you never know. All right
1: going to go from the west coast breach to what was your previous beat entertainment and pop culture we're going to kansas city by way of metlife stadium and man remember that quaint time where we thought that jackson mahomes was a distraction (laughs) turns out that jackson mahomes instagram tiktok star isn't even a blip on the taylor swift radar Part of me wonders, and I can't believe I have to talk about this, but this is something that producer Harry is dying to talk about because he's a huge Taylor Swift fan. Um, but it actually is a fair point. You saw the game on Sunday night. You saw the Chiefs jump out to 70 nothing lead. You saw Zach Wilson tied at 20-20, then Zach Wilson ended up with the fumble, and the, the Chiefs sort of drug their way to victory. But you know there were probably 25 shots in the suite of Taylor Swift with all her entourage from Ryan Reynolds uh, to uh, Eric Stone Street was there. Uh, We saw the guy from Queer Eye. I think Kyan is his name. We saw everyone in the... Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman was there. Paul Rudd?
2: Paul Rudd was there. fresh
1: offer divorce from Joe Jonas? We We talked about that. Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. So everyone and their brother and sister were there. And I'll tell a quick story. So my first Super Bowl was 2011, the one in Indianapolis. And and Madonna was the halftime show. So I went to hear a press conference because, like, Breach, that's how I roll. And I remember seeing her there. And then thinking about Tom Brady. And like Tom Brady isn't even in the same universe of fandom and popularity as Madonna. And this feels that way. Travis Kelsey, and it's funny you mentioned Sophie Turner, who was on Game of Thrones. And the reason, which Jonas, did she just get divorced from, Breach? Joe. Joe. So one of the things she said is that she didn't want to be known as Joe Jonas's wife. And part of me wonders, and Breach, I'll put it to you because you are a pop culture correspondent, Is there a situation where Travis Kelsey does not want to be known as Taylor Swift's friend, number one? And number two, is this in any way, shape, or form a a distraction?
2: Uh, Number one, there is no way on this earth that Travis Kelsey is thinking like that. Because if that was the case, you wouldn't even go on a date with Taylor Swift. Because you know that everyone outside the football bubble is going to look at you as uh, Taylor Swift's guy, not the other. Taylor Swift is not Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Travis Kelsey Mm -hmm. is Taylor Swift's boyfriend. That is how 99% of the world will know Travis Kelsey. That is how people outside the United States will know Travis Kelsey. That is how anyone who is not an NFL fan will know Travis Kelsey. So yeah, you're you're definitely uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. And you know what? I don't, think it was a distraction granted it's only been one real game you can count last week but it was kind of surprised at the last minute so we won't throw that it seemed like the only person who was distracted was Patrick Mahomes yeah. and I feel like that's probably because his wife has been keeping up all week talking about how she's best friends with Taylor Swift now uh because that's those- true those two are apparently BFFs. I mean, they were oh. drinking in the the MetLife Stadium box together. There's a, pretty,
0: there's a pretty funny shots of like Brittany Mahomes with like sour faces, like that's Taylor Swift like celebrating something. It's like what what is this like a like? It's like, like Brittany's like furious at Patrick's playing poorly, or like so I don't know. It's like she's got like like the pouty faces, and Taylor Swift's got a vodka cranberry up in the air, like celebrating. Um, she yeah, Taylor's I,
2: like, Oh, sorry. Your husband's thrown two interceptions. And, and my guy has 40 yards receiving already in the second quarter. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a distraction. I think it's, I think, man, I'll tell you what you can, you can build a conspiracy theory pretty quickly that, um, that this is like a mutually beneficial, uh, and, and I, 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 I don't believe this. I'm just saying that like Taylor Swift has a movie coming out about her era's tour now. Is she going to get some more eyeballs on it because of the NFL? Sure. Is she getting publicity? Sure. Is it a fairly negligible amount of publicity that she's adding to her already enormous stardom and publicity that she's already got for this tour? Probably. The guy who's benefiting here, if you're just being like looking at the numbers, to Travis Kelsey, like his jersey sales are up like 700%. He gained like 300,000 Instagram followers or something like that. And New Heights, the the Kelsey podcast, which is really just fantastic, um, has over, uh, it's like 1.2 million subscribers on YouTube. The numbers went through the roof. I uh, think they had like 68,000 likes on the most recent episode where they talked about the week three recap and talked about the Taylor Swift situation. Uh, and by the way, smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube now. Give us, throw us a like button. We're talking about Taylor Swift. And, and like, I think it's fun. I think it's awesome. I think it's hilarious how this is. Like you couldn't have made this up before the season. If you like they were, they kept running all these script like the NFL script writers or da, 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 da. It's like if you'd been if you'd been like, okay, what about this? Zach will like Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And Zach Wilson has to replace him and he outplays Patrick Mahomes for the most part um, in a in a week four game with Taylor Swift watching from uh watching her boyfriend Travis Kelsey from the luxury suite. Like you you would say if you'd said that, if that had been your bold prediction on our bold prediction show before the season, we would be like, that is that's a that's a D because it's so and, and the d- most- <laughs> The most
2: far-fetched part would have been Zach Wilson out playing Patrick Brown. <laughs> right, Not right.
0: even Taylor Swift in the box <laughs> dating. Right, but you know, like we would have been like, "Oh my God!" It would be like Wilson. Like, okay, that would be an A because it's so crazy, but it's a D because you've like boxed yourself in with three or four very specific things that it just can't possibly be true, and yet here we are in reality.
1: So, uh, producer Harry points out. I'm just seeing this note here. That there were exactly 17 cutaways to Taylor Swift during the Sunday Night Telecast, and it feels like that's a that's low. It felt like they were closer to. Thirty-four, or uh, what's that? 68 Look at that math. Was,
2: was All
0: there
1: right, an yeah. On? I I took the over of two hundred, so I think I lost.
0: By the way, do you think it's do you think it's a coincidence that in his first game with Taylor Swift watching, Travis Kelsey had sixty-nine yards, and in his second game with Tra- with Taylor Swift watching, he had six catches on nine targets?
1: I think that is the definition of coincidence.
0: I don't think sense. I think Mahomes knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, Mahomes. Mahomes proceeded to run. All he did was run after he got Kelsey to to six catches on nine targets.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about Mahomes because Breach hinted at it. He played like straight up dog dookie. And if Zach Wilson had played like that, they would have literally fed him to the Lions at halftime. They would have set up a fence around the, the perimeter, thrown some lines out there, and said Zach Wilson, run until you get tired, and then let's see what happens. And the crowd would have cheered like they were watching Gladiator. Uh, I don't know what was going on with Holmes. He had a third interception. And Breach, I'll get your thoughts on this. Number one, did Robert Sala have a, a beef with the defensive holding call in quotation marks uh, against Sauce Gardner that kept that drive alive late in the game? I think uh, Patrick scrambled for a third and twenty that should have uh, that. No, he threw the ball. That's what happened. The interception was overturned. The third and twenty became first and five, uh, first down. Excuse me. And then they ran the, the clock out and yada yada yada. So, did Robert Sala have a beef? Number one, and number two. Any planet where we're concerned about Patrick Mahomes, are you taking the Will Brinson week one approach with Josh Allen that everything's fine?
2: Uh, I'm taking the Will Brinson approach. I would never show any concern for Patrick Mahomes after one game where he throws multiple interceptions. He has these games for whatever reason. It's just like... It, 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 he thinks during the week yeah, we're playing the Jets. I don't need studying film. I'm just going to go in there and uh wing it and we'll see what happens. We saw in 2021 he had three games where he threw multiple interceptions. Last season he had two games where he threw multiple interceptions. Uh regular season games. And so this isn't out of the norm for this to happen to him two or three times a season. It's just how he plays. He, sometimes he goes a little more gunslinger than I'm sure Andy Reid would like. And you know, I mentioned it in Slack that it looked like he was short arming a couple of his throws where they just weren't he, he getting just did He's
1: short.
2: He didn't, they weren't going to where he wanted them to go. And he definitely looked a little frustrated each time they happened. So I don't think the interceptions are a big deal. Now, if he throws two interceptions next week and then the week after that and doesn't three straight games and he does it against good teams who can actually take advantage of it, because if Mahomes doesn't throw those interceptions, they go up 24, nothing. And this probably ends up being a blowout. Uh, so I, that definitely kept the jets
0: in the game. Uh, so yeah, I'm not too, he's, he's only got one, he's only got one game this year without an interception, which is a little surprising, um, for Mahomes, I think, um, I mentioned this throughout the week and I just sort of wonder if it was the case because the, the, the balls that he had the interceptions on were like those touch throws where you need to put enough arc on him and he, he didn't really step into him at all. I sort of wonder if he was trying to be more armsy during this game because he had that banged up ankle from last week and they're on that turf in that life stadium that's just been just devastatingly bad for injuries. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have anything, you know, to back that up. I just sort of wonder if maybe he was trying to make sure not to expose that ankle or if he had maybe more tape on the ankle, uh, something like that. And, and just like, there was just very uncharacteristic of him to short those touch throws as much as he did on both of those.
1: Uh, Breach and answer the questions I'll ask you. Robert Sala have a right to be upset. Number one and number two, any concern about these Chiefs?
0: Um, yeah, I think he had a right to be upset. It was pretty physical all game. That was like four. There was a holding call on either the offense or defense four straight plays, which is just really frustrating. Even if you know like there was a there was one when Mahomes ran had that twenty five yard run where he Trace Smith up the, the
1: the guard got called yeah, for holding.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, just a lot of like, there's just a lot of laundry there at the end of that game. And so I think yeah, if you're Robert Sala. It's a close game. You storm back from down seventeen nothing with Zach Wilson at quarterback and, and the defending Super Bowl champions in your house and you know the ball gets picked off. The flag comes in late. They they you know it's it's for holding and it's like yeah, I mean, technically, by the letter of the law, you could probably call I mean, it for holding. It was holding. a pretty bad hold. It was a pretty young yeah really
1: just felt like upon review it was closer than it was. And then the Trey Smith penalty that Brenton just mentioned, that was iffy too, so who knows? At yeah. the end of the day, I get Robert Sala being angry. That's not why they lost. Zach Wilson can't catch a, a snap. And let's be honest, Zach Wilson played out of his mind by Zach Wilson's standards, so he stayed off the Joe Flacco return for at least another week. If,
0: if, if Zach Wilson plays like that, I mean, Robert Sala said it after the game. If Zach Wilson plays like that, the rest of the year will win a lot of football games, and he's not wrong like they the jets will be although I do think that like as good as the jets defense is, the jets themselves and like most jets fans have so like drastically overrated how good this defense is
1: well, like it didn't help that the chiefs came out and ran the ball all over the Jets and the defense did nothing. And then Zach Wilson got hot. And by that point they were down 17, nothing tied at 2020. And then yeah. the, the fumble happened, but yeah, I mean, you have to feel great about Zach Wilson. I don't know if they're going to win a bunch of games, like four feels like if he plays like that, that's a good number. I think but, you would like uh, six or seven if, if he plays like that, that, that feels, where are you on that breach? Seven, too high, too low.
0: Is Zach Wilson, Zach, if Wilson? Zach, Wilson if Zach Wilson puts together.
1: Yeah, no, we got it. But I I'm just saying
0: it. like, let's say how many games they have left. What 12, 13, uh, if you put together 10 games like that, I think they win 7 of them.
1: Maybe. That seems right. Well, I six. think
0: we win 6 more games. If Not you yet. lose to Denver though, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there some speculation.
2: Yeah, there's some speculation going into this week that the defense was a little bit frustrated with Wilson's playing, and if you go out to Denver and lose to them, that that could uh rekindle that frustration and that might oh, sure. be enough. So, maybe right. you
1: make the sweep goodbye, which is in 2 weeks. All right, speaking of frustration, Oh, Producer Harry, let's roll the tape and then we'll come back on the other side if Jamar Chase has Don't some words. I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. Richie is always open! And uh, my point is that unless he's pass blocking, and that was Jamar Chase, of course, talking about his frustration with the the Bengals' offense, which is look like the Steelers' offense on drugs. I mean, that's how bad they are playing. You cannot go into Tennessee and play that way against the Titans team where Ryan Tannehill is perpetually on the ropes, and yet they did. So I'll ask you first about Jamar Chase's comments. I understand the frustration. I don't take anything away from it other than he's angry and understandably so. But then I want to hear about your medical prognosis, and you are a medical doctor on the Pick 6 Podcast. Now, nowhere else. I so don't ask for mental advice if you see Breach out on the street. But your medical diagnosis on Joe Burrow's calf, should he be on the shelf? And did that have anything to do with his spectacularly crappy play today?
2: Look, we both know that I went online and paid $89 for a medical degree. So <laughs> I right, am a right. doctor, Wilson. Thank you. Go uh ahead. look. I am highly concerned, and you know, I wrote that story before the Monday night game about how they should maybe think about put Joe Burrow on injured reserve, let him sit out for four weeks, and let the calf heal. They did not do that. This was a product of that. Yes, you beat the Rams, then you asked your quarterback, who was hobbled with a bad calf, to turn around on a short week, playing a road game against a team with a pretty ferocious pass rush. And the thing is, uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow, he, he can't escape. He is back there. He's immobile. It is like his feet are glued to the ground. This isn't Joe Burrow of last year who can escape and make plays uh, in situations like that. If if the offensive line, if, if a defensive lineman blows by the offensive line, Burrow's done. There's nothing for him to do. It's just the play's over and the Bengals aren't going to do anything. And that was happening all day. This wasn't a situation where Burrow got sacked 14 times. He only got sacked 3 times, but then, yeah, he got this, hit like, he got hit
0: like 12 times, though.
2: Right, but he got hit a bunch because the Titans were just in his face the entire game. And this is what's going to happen anytime they play a team with a good pass rush. So what do you do when you They play the 49ers in 3 weeks. If Burrow's calf isn't better by then, thank God it's out of a bye, so maybe he can survive, but <laughs> that team is going to just beat them up. Then they play the Bills. We'll have Von Miller back. That team is going to beat up their offense. So it's just very worrisome, uh, knowing that it's hard to see this offense improving much as long as Burrow is hobbled, and uh, unless that thing magically gets fixed during their bye, which is two weeks yep. from now, uh, in at, week seven, just
1: you on YouTube breach.
2: It, yeah, it is tough. And Harry's popping up here with the fewest points scored through four games. In uh, Bengals history, and this is one of the worst. And, the and I mean, of yeah, this
0: is, but the Bengals, like, when you talk about history of being terrible, the Bengals have a really long history of being really terrible. I mean, there was this little stretch with Andrew Gregory Dalton, your boy, where they were good, and then you have Carson Palmer where they were good, and then, of course, Boomer, our colleague, and now you have Burrow. But, like, the Bengals were the laughing stock of the league for a long, long time. For a decade. So t- What's that? For a decade, from 1992 yeah. to 2002. Right, so when you're talking about worst starts in Bengals history scoring-wise, that's pretty bad.
1: So, uh, Brent, let me ask you this, and um, I don't know how Breach feels about it, but he's a doctor, so we'll find out in a second. But do you get the sense, just on the outside looking in, that Zach Wilson needs to take control and tell Joe Burrow you're not playing no matter what? Zach Taylor. Who did I say? Zach Wilson. Now Zach Wilson, yeah. no, Zach Wilson should re- call. Zach Wilson should definitely call him too. So, Zach Taylor take control and say you're not playing in much the same way that Mike Shanahan did not with RG three back in the day. RG three got hurt his rookie season, had that great rookie season, never played uh, uh, but, uh, at this same level. Hold on. By, by the way, uh, yeah. I, Wait, I'll, before
2: I'll before Princeton answers, Zach. I just say Zach Taylor's part of the problem. He has Joe okay. Burrow out there when it's twenty-seven to three in the fourth quarter, like your quarterback's yeah, you already doing? banged up, man. Put him on the sideline, put him on ice. There's no reason for him to take these hits. It was just I I was literally pulling out my hair
0: yeah.
2: with Joe no, Burrow it, in the fourth Yeah, boy. If you start, if you
0: start, like it was like Paul Dana, Paul Dana Jr., a friend of the podcast and, and one of our buddies who covers the Bengals for the Athletic. He's like right there, he's like, What is happening here? This is insane. Um So let I, I me think, ask
1: you then, what is well, what is your plan with Joe Burrow then? I guess that's a
0: well so so a couple things. Well, I don't know if you I was filling up my water in my wine uh when uh when, when the jamar chase thing played um did you guys talk about how the, the context for that where it's like he he's not he like if you if you listen to the full quotes that jamar chase gave this is not like him like talking smack about joe burrow or anything like he wasn't no, being, like we,
1: we took it as him being frustrated with the whole no no setup. but it,
0: it was i don't think i don't think it was nearly as um as bad yeah. as it was but yeah I mean, i'm saying like that, that's just the context of it I, I was i was i was digging into it a little bit okay. deeper I wanted to point that out. So Jamar Chase doesn't get thrown under the bus, but that quote will be the one that pops up. Uh, My plan for Burrow is pretty easy. You're not playing again until after the bye. Sit him down. Try and beat the Cardinals and the Seahawks without Burrow. Get him healthy because we talked about this before the season. The Bengals were one of the teams in the NFL. The Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills and I guess we didn't think about the Niners, but they would probably qualify. The Eagles, maybe. It's like anything less than a Super Bowl win is a disappointing season.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. They're they're not going to the playoffs. Breach, what's the playoff percentage chance, according to you?
2: I mean, I'm not ready to, to go that far, but I think as far as benching him until after the bye, I think that ship has sailed, because if you were going to do it, you need to do it He's hurt last week
0: before the Rams game. But here's the thing, is if you are... A Bengals you need to do or do it this week before we beat the Rams and be like, all right, we just we're gonna we're gonna try and go two and one without Burrow f- until the bye, and then get him a month where he's getting healthy. Right, what? but now that you've played him here, because if you bench Burrow right here
2: and you lose your next two games, you go one and three, then you wasted it. You should have done it because zero and four, one and three doesn't make a difference. You let him sit if you had let him sit those four weeks, right, you'd be, and yeah, you'd so, be one I think- and
0: five, you'd be done anyway.
1: No, at this second. point, wait, the wait Bengals. Let me ask you this, Breach. Yes. If you're thinking long-term about Joe Burrow's health, <laughs> yes, you may not go to the playoffs this year, but at least he will be able to walk down the street in preparation for next year. But you're going to get him beat all to hell because on some 5% chance that you make the playoffs, you're willing to take that risk?
2: Well, I'm if I'm thinking like Zach Taylor, who again had this guy in in the fourth <laughs> quarter, uh, then yes, I'm absolutely willing to take okay. this risk. And all here's right, the thing. Right. Here's what I think the Bengals' thought process is, is that a if you have Joe Burrow at 80%, 85%, 75%, whatever he's at right now, I think they think they can probably beat the Cardinals. And who knows if they can? The Cardinals have been frisky. Yeah, that's, frisky. Not, that's not by any means a lock. Yeah. And I think they think they can beat the Seahawks at home in a 10 a.m. game on Seattle's body clock in Cincinnati. And if you win those games, then you're probably not going to win without Burrow. And so if you just split those games with Burrow and get two weeks off, that's, how you, that's it. That's your option. So you have to keep playing them
0: yeah that's fair All yeah because right. it's like if you it, you you have to you you look at these games and you say okay we have at arizona seattle at home before the buy and then at san francisco buffalo at home after the buy if you sit burrow until the buy you lose you go one and one even with you get lucky you go one and one and then you lose with burrow out of the buy against san francisco and buffalo like it's it's over
1: i'm putting him on the bench um, because I care about his, his well-being. I, I don't know if you're Duke Tobin, the general manager, you, you have to tell Zach Taylor to bench him, or maybe Duke's in on it. On, I don't know, but it feels like to me, and Mike Brown is known as being cheap. Is that correct, Breach?
2: Uh, he does have frugal. Not Not yet for being frugal. Not, it hasn't do been you as think, bad. Do you he think just he gave wants- the guy a $275 million contract. A cheap person doesn't do that,
1: Ryan. My point is this. If you want to pay someone $55 million a year, do you want them... Out there, taking hit after hit for no clear reason.
0: No, if you're, so, if you're cheap and want to avoid the contract, sure. But, but there's a clear <laughs> reason because you got. If you're gonna
2: save your season, you've got to win. Season one of these next is few
1: games. over.
2: Just it's not. It is <laughs> not
0: over. That's ridiculous.
1: All right, ten seconds. Uh, Brentson, anything to take from the Titans? Do you feel good about them at all? in terms of their competitiveness
0: in that division? I think the AFC South is wide wide. I think I think there's a chance. We get two teams in the playoffs from the AFC South. That's there you go. That's a hot take. Is, Indianapolis, yeah. Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Houston all have had these moments where they've looked pretty decent. Um, you know, we have the Jets who lose Rogers, the Bengals are one and three because Burrow's been banged up. All this different stuff is happening in the AFC that's really kind of opening up one of these playoff spots, these wildcard spots for a team that we certainly didn't think had a chance of getting in. And I think there's a I think it's I think it might be somebody from the AFC South because like Jacksonville's look good, but they look bad. The Colts have looked really good at various points in time and could easily be three and one. And, and then you have the Titans who offensively aren't exactly sexy, but they are, they're the definition of a Mike Vrabel team. I don't even know. Yeah. Hot and and, and uh, uh, real quick, yeah, so yeah, go for ahead, instance,
2: wait, this was like a Vrabel fantasy game where his defense <laughs> beat up any other quarterback, Derrick Henry goes for over a hundred yards and every week he crosses his fingers, hoping Ryan Tannehill will have a huge game and Tannehill played lights out and if Tannehill plays well the re- this team's good so right. it just yeah. it really hinges on whether or not you got Derek Derrick
0: Henry. Henry. Derrick Henry had more passing touchdowns than Joe Burrow you got Derek Henry doing yeah. the 10th oh! go-
1: jump touchdown all right let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about the best quarterback on the best team and the AFC South right after this Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else?
1: My goodness! Welcome back, fellas, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching, um, you, you, hold on, you, hold on, hold on. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up. Subscribe to the podcast where we get them. What is it, Brentson?
0: You would be surprised to find out that on a Wednesday show with Lejeune Dusable and Brady Quinn and myself, that all three of us hate uh, scary movies. That October, is surprising. October October is kind of petrifying for me because you are getting nonstop scary movie ads, and I, I really don't like scary movies. Just not a big fan. Breach, where are you? For instance, Baby's Day
2: Out isn't that scary. I don't know why. You- Hey-oh!
1: <laughs> All right, you know what is scary? But in a good way? How good the Houston Texans are playing with D'Amico Ryans, first-year head coach, and C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, taking second overall. And there was a conversation in the weeks and months later for the draft that the Texans wanted Bryce Young, and if Bryce Young wasn't going to be there, too, and it looked Pretty clear after a while that he wasn't that they might take Will Anderson. They ended up doing both. Got Will Anderson at three after trading back up and then took CJ at number two. So I think the real winner here is Lovey Smith for winning that meaningless game last year that allowed the Texans to no longer be the number one overall seed because they would have taken Bryce. And by virtue of that fact, they got CJ is who is exactly the quarterback they needed. He has been absolutely bawling out. He has been so much fun to watch. And and I'll tell you a quick story. So obviously I do the, the draft podcast with my buddy Rick Spillman with the first pick. And I was asking him about this. The S2 test came out and you remember that CJ Stroud failed it according to the reports. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a, a scout about this and he said, here's the thing. Sometimes with those tests, it's at the end of a long day. The player may not know how seriously you're supposed to take it. They've been working out for a team. They've been taking other, you know, tests that measure your cognitive ability to do X, Y, and Z. And, who knows? He may have just been an off day for him. Watching him play, Breach, you would have no idea that he failed any test because he is playing at a, at another level. He's playing way better than any of the rookie quarterbacks. He's playing better than most of the second-year quarterbacks, maybe all of them, uh, certainly the one he faced today in Kenny Pickett. Um, all right, what's the ceiling on the Texans, Breach? It starts with C.J. Stroud. They can win the division. I mean, this is
0: one <laughs> ah, thing.
2: Hey, I said, I said that before the season. No, oh, again, Princeton. <laughs> all three of us mentioned on the pick six podcast, the Texans were plus 900. And we had mentioned in August that this was the perfect team to sprinkle on because it felt like the AFC South was going to be a wide open, unless you were someone who believed in Jacksonville, uh, which I don't think any of us were completely on the Jags bandwagon. It just felt like something that look, Tomiko rides built this team. He, we he, They brought in all these free agent acquisitions. They had a pretty solid roster. It was going to come down to whether they could get good quarterback play. And for me, this was the game that convinced me that C.J. Stroud is good because so watching good. him last week, it was like, eh, Jacksonville's defense is okay. He played okay against the Colts. He looked pretty good. And then the Ravens week one, they, they lost by two touchdowns. It was a close game, and, and it was his first game ever, so you didn't have high expectations. But for him to go out there and throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, like give this man rookie of the year right now. That was an unbelievable performance. Ryan, how many tears did you shed uh, watching C.J. Shroud, knowing that he's already better than Kenny Pickett, that the Texans oh, have a better or more set at quarterback than the Steelers, and that really—I I mean, this is his fourth game. The fourth game. This is doing this stuff in his fourth game. Is picking apart the Steelers' defense. So, Brinson seems like rookie there, front runner, obvious, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. And remember, with the hey Brinson, what
1: what was his number coming into the year for for rookie there? Do you remember? Uh,
0: they were all all the quarterbacks were under ten to one okay so bryce young was like uh Bijan was like plus 275 oh bryce mm-hmm. young was four to one cj was five to one and uh, uh richardson was nine to one i believe okay. the thing like th- honestly like like i'll take the egg on the face for this one i mean i i got off of houston because because C- they went because i felt like ownership sort of forced him to move back up and take cj stroud but you, know, you saw that stat most uh most, most attempts to start a career without throwing an interception. Like he's playing really well. I don't know if you guys saw the clip uh, where he was talking about Texans fans and how he's like, he's like, look, he's like, you know, the Steelers rolled in here. They took, they took over, they kind of took over the stadium. They were taking over the city. We shipped him out of here, you know, pissed off. And he's like, he's like, he's like a Texas fan. He's like, he's like, I want you. He's like, I take it personally. I want you guys to walk around during the week. Proud to have on your Texans gear. I don't know. It's like, I, I, I just wasn't in on CJ Stroud coming out of the, coming into the draft. Um, didn't love where he where he landed and or just didn't love the way that it worked out with him giving up their future first-round pick. Um, well, that, was for, of, that, was for, that
1: was for Will Anderson. That wasn't for a Well,
0: right, but it was basically, I mean, they, they were going to take Will Anderson. There was, a, there was a very clear compromise between ownership and the front office and the coaching staff where they're like, we want Will Anderson, so they traded back up for him. Regardless. Uh, I don't think that's how it worked, but go ahead. That is how it worked. I mean, why, why do you not think that? Yeah, just saying. I mean, back it up with info rather than just being dismissive. I talked to people that that said that's not how it worked. I mean, yeah, they, they like people say that. Okay, people say it both ways. Either, right. either way, it, it, either way, it's worked out. The decision to take CJ Stroud where they did uh, now, whether or not you know, like they're winning games. they've won games, they've already won like more games, and I think. Like they won like the year before they already they've they look like a team that's going to win some games this year and probably not end up sacrificing a top five pick, which is what the Panthers look like.
1: Right. And I think that's the takeaway. And Will Anderson has has played pretty well. He hasn't flashed, certainly at the level of C.J. Stroud, and he's going to have to continue to ball out, but they're still going to have a first round pick. So they have that in their bag. And that probably was part of their math when they traded up to come back and get Will Anderson. The other thing. Like, I, I like CJ coming out a lot, and I like more the more we talked to him, and we talked to him a couple of times during the draft process. And he's a sharp dude, came from a, uh, like a tough background and overcame a lot, and, and you, you pull for those guys. And then he just balled out. And the other thing that you – one of the concerns, quotation marks, was that at Ohio State he played behind, you know, basically 15 first-round picks as offensive sure. linemen. So, okay, what's he going to do when there's guys flying around him nonstop? Well, on Sunday against the Steelers, Laramie Tunzel was out. Juice Scruggs, the center of the draft, has been out all season. Titus Howard's been out all season. Two other guys that were like second and third round pick, uh, second, th- second and third teamers were out today, Sunday as well. Zero sacks the last two games. And he is absolutely dealing. Brinson, you mentioned no interceptions, one of the, or the longest streak by a rookie to start the season. And he continues to make plays like he's a savvy veteran. And I'm not just talking about throwing the guys that are wide ass open. He is throwing with the type of anticipation that you want your quarterback to do and that Kenny Pickett doesn't do on a semi-regular basis, and it just sort of reinforces how hard it is to get the quarterback thing right, and when you do, it solves a ton of problems. Let me ask you this, and whoever raises their hand first can answer this question. I think we're at a point when it comes to hiring head coaches that you have to go offense, and the the exceptions are rare, and the exceptions are incredible motivators and leaders. So Tomlin, Sean McDermott, Bill Belichick historically has done it. Carroll's a good one although he struggled his first time around with the patriots and i permission. think and i think domico ryans is certainly in that conversation Whereas someone like matt eberflus is not in that conversation brandon staley up for debate they keep finding crazy ways to win football games but uh any pushback on that agreement or what are you doing
0: no i mean i think i think uh generally uh raise my hand uh, i think generally speaking like that's probably the philosophy that i adhere to if i'm like i'm looking offense first but Um, you know, like defense, if if you can find a smart defensive minded head coach who operates in that CEO role and can bring in good offensive coordinators, that's great. I think Dan Quinn would maybe even qualify. He took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. He also had Kyle Shanahan as as his offensive coordinator. And the, the problem with going defense is that with the head coaches inherently, you cannot control whether or not your head coach is able to keep. Whether or not you're able to keep the offensive coordinator in place, right? Because the offensive coordinator, if he's really good, is eventually going to move on. Whereas if you have the offensive head coach, you keep him in place because you have him in your job and he's doing well.
1: Well, that's not entirely true because if you're uh, Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, Matt Canada will be there for the next fifty years if you want him there for the next fifty years. Well, oh, yeah. Uh
2: Wilson, like but to qualifies Canada? too. Good good call. Go ahead, Rich. Would you like to see Matt Canada shipped off to Canada?
1: No, that's not far enough. Yeah, All right, CJ Stroud. Breach thinks you're going to win the division. I sort of agree with that. All right, next up. Oh, oh wait, real quick. The oh. odds. Odds yeah,
2: right now, the Texans are still the long shot, plus four seventy five. on that? Titans plus two ten. Jags plus one forty five. I'm going to
0: sprinkle. Well, without without looking, who has the best point differential in the list? Rank list them in order of uh, of best point differential to worst point differential in the AFC South.
1: Uh, oh, the Texans uh, are one. Texans yep. are the t- one at
0: plus seventeen.
1: The Titans are two after whooping up on the Bengals. The Jaguars are last, and then the Colts are third. The Jaguars and Colts are tied at minus two. Oh, that was a breach trick question. That was a breach. Get trick out of here, trick. Brinson. All right. Speaking of minuses, let's move to Chicago, a team that Justin Fields played the game of his life. <laughs> I mean, half half of his life his
0: for forty minutes,
1: and then he played.
0: Well, the- yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was a breach. The game of his life was probably that uh, that playoff game against Georgia, but yes. And- the- the game of his professional life, Very 440 good. minutes. And then he
1: played like the Justin Fields we've seen. I'm still not sure if it's entirely his fault. And I was talking to our buddy Joe Musso about this, who's a Bears fan. I would take Justin Fields over Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett. But it's, it's like half a dozen of one at this point. But here's the thing. And Breach, you're uh, quite familiar with uh, perennial losers in Cincinnati. So <laughs> do you think... The Bears are playing, in Brinson's words, forty chess because they're going to have the first overall pick and the second overall pick, which could mean Caleb Williams out of USC, Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State coming to Chicago. You got to move on from the coaching stuff, I would imagine. Who knows? We'll see what Ryan Poles decides to do. And I put this question to Joe Musso again, Bears fan, our coworker. I said, "What if Caleb and Marvin both say we're not coming to Chicago?" And Musso's response was, "That's not how it works." So no matter what, you're coming to Chicago. What do you think about those plans, Breach?
2: Well, here's the problem is that even if the Bears are playing 40 chess and they get the board set up how they want, they're the team that would accidentally spill gasoline on the board and set it on fire, and they don't even get to take advantage of how well they played 40 chess. Because even if they get the first two picks in the draft, which would just be absolutely crazy because they have the Panthers pick and they have the top two picks right now at the season ended today, if you're a Bears fan, are you even comfortable with the idea of your front office having the first two picks after all the – draft day debauchery that that you've gone through over the past few years the team that traded up for Mitchell Trubisky I mean nothing you're doing
1: sorry real quick they traded down one spot to get uh Darnell Wright instead of taking Jalen Carter this draft too
2: so you're looking at all these just bizarre mistakes that they're making and now you're going to trust them with the top two picks no that would make me completely uncomfortable if I was a Bears fan so Uh, I do not think the front office is smart enough to play this type of 40 chess. So I'm going to say no, the Bears are not tanking yet. Although if they lose a few more games, I'm sure they're just going to say, all right, let's just try and get the top two picks. Let's tank.
0: Brentson, I don't think they're tanking. I just think they're terrible. Well, it's also um, you don't really like you can't you can't tank. You can't tank for both picks because you don't. You, you don't have to. You, you can't make the. You can't make the Panthers lose games. The Panthers are just a bad football team. They don't. Team. They don't need help. Yeah, I don't think the Bears are tanking. I, I think there's too much pressure on. Um, honestly, I think there's too much pressure on Matt Eberflus for his job for them to tank. And I. No, they're you know, not tanking, but they're not good. That's all I'm saying. They're a terrible football team. I actually don't know. I don't know for sure that Ryan Poles would fire Matt Eberflus if they ended up with the first overall pick.
1: Well, here's what happens. We talk about this all the time. Everyone comes in with the best intentions, and then it becomes Game of Thrones. That is true. So I, you can love Matt Eberflus as a person, but they continue to make questionable play calls. For the life of me, they did it twice on Sunday that I counted. I didn't watch the game. I was looking at a bunch of other things on Sunday, of course. So they have Justin Herbert. Is there a better athlete at quarterback than Justin Herbert? Maybe Anthony Richardson? It doesn't Justin matter. Feels. Patrick Mahomes. Justin Fields. Yeah, sorry. So Justin Fields, oh. uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert a good athlete with now nine fingers. So again, we'll talk about that in a second. But Justin Fields on fourth down, they had Cole Komet come in motion and get under center and do the Travis Kelsey sneak. Cole Komet is not Travis Kelsey, and you have Justin Fields. At the end of the game, they had fourth and one, and they had Justin Fields and the shotgun hand off to Cleo Herbert. Like these stupid type of decisions are what lose you games. Fourth game.
0: and one like, shotgun calls
1: drive me insane with Justin Fields. So I think that Mighty Evil job it is extremely.
0: What's the word? Uh, tenuous. Tenuous. I, I think it's also possible that they are fully aware that they like Justin Fields is not this regime's guy. Matt Eberfluss and um, Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. In fact, remember, we talked about coming into last year. It was like it kind of felt like the Bears were trying to like submarine Justin Fields success by not giving him any help on the offensive line, not giving him any help at receiver. Um, well, they, they did that. Those things, though. Uh, they did this all season. Yeah. And it's still, yeah. you're still, it's like like the offensive line is Oak is, is, is ba- it's not good. It's bad. Um, it's, it's, it, it is improved. Right. But I mean, that's but like, it, it's not elite. Right. That's like saying like this rotten, this piece of like slightly rotten fruit is better than the piece of completely rotten fruit I had before. But it doesn't they, matter what
1: you think about Justin Fields. You have the first overall pick, cause you're taking Caleb no matter what.
0: By the way, uh, do you remember the last time an NFL team had the first two picks in the NFL draft? Feels like I looked uh, that up. Cleveland? Cleveland feels like a Cleveland thing. Is it Cleveland? I think it's Indianapolis. Oh, you didn't know? I thought you knew. I thought it was <laughs> Indianapolis. I thought, I thought it was Indianapolis in nineteen ninety two. Okay, they took, uh, that could be right. They took Steve Imtman right. and, and, and Quentin Coriat. Okay, all right. I remember reading that sports. I remember like uh, yeah, because well, I, I, the Bengals had a bunch of like first overall. The Bengals had like Keyshawn and Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson. All right, so the,
1: the Bears are still ter- terrible. I think they're they're the worst team in football. Uh, they beat the second worst team in football. Any upside other than a, a
0: win for the the Broncos here because they they could have gotten their doors blown off. They, the, it, I think it's fascinating how the narrative surrounding this game flips so so quickly. It went from oh, maybe Justin Fields is he like four touchdowns in the first half. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it went from Justin Fields like being like I was like oh like Justin Fields might like be turning it on might be becoming the guy and Denver is in deep trouble and Russ is, and and now it's like the only thing that you're we're really talking about is the Bears and, and those top two picks that they're chasing. So again, any thoughts on the Broncos? Uh, I think Sean
2: Payton had to fire his whole defensive staff if they had lost to the Bears. So it's a good thing for them they didn't. But you know. They have the Jets next week, so maybe they can start piling up a couple wins. It's a winnable Where, game for them. Where's that game? That game is at Empower Field at Mile High Stadium in Denver,
0: Colorado.
1: All right, the wins over Wilson Line is is minus one and a half. Denver.
0: God, I'm taking the Bronco. actual line for that game. Is
1: might be more than that because it's the elevation, but I feel like that's um, that's the right line.
0: Who are you taking at minus one Broncos and a half? minus two and a half juice okay. Ooh, minus one fifteen. Okay. All right. Ooh. With a total of 41. Ew. I sort
1: of, here's the thing to come back to Brentson's point earlier. If Zach Wilson plays like he did on Sunday night, the, the Jets are winning that football game. Absolutely. All right. Onward and that, upward, fellas. Go ahead, Breach. You got something else? Uh, Zach Wilson would never play like that again. It was, I think that's this true. a once in a lifetime. All right. I'm just reading this, this uh, headline for the first time from, from producer Harry. So this is going to be a fun one here. I never, these are words I never thought I would, I would read out loud. Baker Mayfield is making the Browns wish he never left, and uh, that's not wrong because Baker's been balling out. Dorian Thompson Robinson started for the Browns today because Sean Watson was injured, and Dorian Thompson Robinson, who had a great preseason, played like his name was Mac Jones. But that's a conversation for later. The Bucks are three and one. The Browns are two and two. Watson and DRT, Dorian Thompson Robinson, are not uh, what they were advertised. And what's more, Brinson. Are the mm. Baker Mayfields winning the NFC South?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think the Falcons could still get involved with it, and uh, wouldn't be shocked if the Saints are, are in the mix there too. The Panthers look like total crap, but the Buccaneers know. look like the best team in, in the NFC South by a pretty wide margin. I think you'd actually, you know, make the case that the Bucs should give a give a little call to Indianapolis about Jonathan Taylor. No, no, you're fine. Why do you need Jonathan Taylor? Because you don't have a great running game, and he would help Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, but I mean, is that worth the price of poker, as the kids say?
0: I, well, I don't know what the, if it's like a third round picture.
1: That's okay. I'll talk about that, but I don't want anything. He, yeah, and then you got to pay him. I don't know what their salary cap situation is. I don't hate it, but I, I would just have to think.
0: I'm, of just, it. I'm just saying, like, I, don't, I think before. I'm the, the season, guy, by the
1: way, who hated the Christian McCaffrey trade. So take that for what it's worth.
0: Yes, I did watch the London game. Yes, Desmond Ritter's a problem. The Falcons are an issue. I just, I mean, the the, the Bucks are three and one. Atlanta and New Orleans are both 2 and 2. The Panthers obviously own 4. Yeah, I I mean the Falcons and Saints are going to find ways to win some ugly close games. The but let Bucks, me let me just ask you this though.
1: Despite the records, if you were just watching the games not knowing the score, the Bucks, you, would you would be would like the best team. Exactly. That's my point.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I think um, you know there was a case to be made when the, uh, did the Browns released Baker, they tra- they traded him. I think they
1: released him. And then he signed with the Rams. I think of am just. He went to the
0: Panthers first.
1: Cool enough. He to the Rams. See who knows? I think they. It
0: doesn't. On the matter. Rams
2: finished the season with the Rams last season because he played in the first
0: game. The, no, no. The the Browns traded him to the Panthers, and then the Panthers cut him when they benched him, so that way he could sign with somebody else. And then he went to Los Angeles, okay. and then he finished the season with the Rams and signed with the Bucks. Um, like Baker, Baker was having these like every other years. He was playing well, and then. Like, Cleveland wanted to move on. Cleveland got this, like, they'd be in their bonnet about getting Deshaun Watson. And you, you knew they weren't going to keep Baker around if they had Deshaun Watson. Like, well, Baker
2: was injured for a good chunk of his final season with the team. Yeah. And they
0: yeah.
2: kind of wanted him to play through it. And he was not anywhere near 100% and didn't they play that run the well. They waited the ball
1: with Nick Chubb and they kept throwing the ball and trying to get him killed. And, that, and then they used that as an excuse to get rid of him. Right.
0: But, I mean, the point being is, like, Baker's a former first overall pick who's played some good football at times. And if you have the right stuff... Like, he... He's sort of, I mean, sort of like in the same vein as like a Kirk Cousins style, where if you have a good running game, a decent running game around him, a good offensive you just line, said the running game stinks. I didn't say it stinks. I just said you could upgrade, and they haven't. It's been fine. I don't um, think
1: anyone thought that they were going to be good to, on this podcast, right? No, everyone Buc-
0: thought that everyone. I said they were in the hunt for the number one pick.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure that we were all on the same page there. Yeah. Rachel, are you picking to win the division?
2: I am picking uh, maybe the
1: Buccaneers. I Why mean, are you hesitating?
2: I don't I, They just, they <laughs> win so sloppily. They haven't done, I haven't been wowed by them. Like, I feel like today felt more like the saints were dumb for trotting Derek Carr out there, even though he missed the entire week of practice. Like just let James Winston player yeah. snap. At the How much do you hate Jameis
1: Winston?
0: What a wild cat with Alvin Kamara. I think Derek Carr went to Dennis Allen and was like, and Derek Carr's worried he would lose his job. If James Winston won the game.
1: Why he saw Jameis last week throw not play great. I don't think he's. They gave us. I mean, right, so the
0: Bucks, the Bucks snuck by the Vikings, they manhandled the Bears, and they got manhandled by the Eagles, and then they beat the Saints team that I really think the Saints team is overrated. Like, I, I know I said that they'll be in the mix too. I just I don't think I think I don't think anybody's gonna run away with the NFC South is my point. The, yeah, like the Saints, the Saints haven't like played good on offense once this year. The defense has been good, but it's like have they really played? They played Tampa um so but, where are you
1: on the saints because i'm not clear based on the things you've said the last five minutes i think
0: the Saints. i i think the saints are bad they like they they, they, they played the titans panthers the packers they, wait, wait.
2: they only beat the titans because ryan tannehill threw three interceptions and they still only won by one point and they, they barely, barely beat the a panthers bad team they blew a 17 nothing lead to the packers in the
0: fourth quarter
2: jordan love played horrible in the first half and then All they right. Lose That's the enough Bucs. talk
1: about Baker. We, we get it. I just well, don't
2: think, I don't think, I I know, think we get I, it. We get it. We get it. We, we need to wear it. our Baker Mayfield dangerous shirts yeah. every time Baker well, and the Bucks win.
1: Harry wants us to take a break and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about another awesome team in the NFC South. Brenton's team, best record in the NFL. What's a bowl prediction? The Falcons. Right after the break.
0: Paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's go! It's the most all star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to paramountplus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: So let's go viral here. Make your case. Desmond Ritter, is he holding the Falcons back or is he the future of the franchise? Uh,
0: I think that <laughs> next question. <laughs> I think that I think that I stand by my Falcons tank, which is that Arthur Smith created a, a poor man's version of Mike Vrabel's Tennessee Titans. And Desmond Ritter is playing like a homeless man's version of Ryan Tannehill.
1: That's not where you want to be. Why do they not give the ball to Kyle Pitts and Drake London consistently? I mean, it, is,
0: I, I, it is it is very odd how they play offense. I will. I will unless
1: you it. are in London, Breach, that's the only time you throw to Drake London. Is that the rule? Where do they have to go to? Where's Pittsville where you can throw the ball to Kyle Pitts? Pittsburgh. <laughs> how about that? That was pretty good.
2: That's Thank terrible. you. Uh, yeah, uh, so this is trouble.
0: You should this be shouting
2: on for that. Be a little
0: worried if I'm the Falcons. You they have had 13 points the last two weeks against the Lions and Jaguars. Would anyone have uh,
1: – they played at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time in England. Our buddy Johnny, who uh, paid to talk to us for some reason on the podcast a few years ago for a great cause, of course, St. Jude's, he texted me a few times. He was at the game, and he said uh, he was getting angry watching Desmond Ritter play in the stands.
2: Breach? <laughs> uh, well, well, real quick, there was a clip yeah. that went viral where uh, Desmond Ritter tried to fist bump or high-five Matt Collins after a play. and yeah. Uh, he was like, yeah, no, I don't like you at all. And please oh, really? Get away from me right now.
1: All right. Well, let me put this out there at halftime. They were getting beat pretty soundly. Any thought if you're Arthur Smith about turning, turning to Taylor Heineke? Yes, yeah.
2: I would. I, if he wasn't having that thought, then he needs to stay in London until he starts having that thought, <laughs> because if I am Arthur Smith and this is kind of where, uh, we heard with the Jets last week where the defense is getting frustrated with the fact that the offense is not doing anything. If I'm watching the first half of this game and I see my quarterback literally throw interceptions on consecutive plays, Bad he throws a pick six, turns around, gets the ball back, and then proceeds to throw another interception. And effectively, that was the game. just felt like it was over at that point. And Desmond Ritter, it just, it just seems like the game's too fast for him. It doesn't seem like he's getting any better. I would absolutely give Taylor Heineke a a shot. I don't think you have anything to lose. And I think that the way this roster is built, it's if we have just an average, a slightly above average quarterback, he doesn't have to be good or even great. Uh, we can win. And so if I'm the Falcons, I'm thinking about it and you can't wait till you're by. Cause it's not till November. Mm. It's one of those things where Arthur Smith is going to have to say, you know what? Maybe Taylor Honeke does give us the best chance to win.
1: Brenton, let me ask you this. If you do bench Desmond Ritter, it's sort of hard to go back to him as a second year quarterback, you know, where yeah. he is mentally and all that are you doing that are you sticking with Death Ritter because as you've said this division is wide open and you have Bijan you have Pitts you have Drake London and they are not being utilized outside of Bijan and this offense is not I mean, was
0: Bijan six overall he was eighth he was eighth Drake London was eighth and Kyle Pitts was fourth overall and it's like you have this it, it's, it's pretty wild to have this stone age offense like where you oh, wait be, it's supposed to be the Titans offense so what's going on well, but the Titans, Titans didn't invest a first round pick in. Like, well, it doesn't Andy matter. Brown. You, can still, you can still run that offense and have some success. Fourth, eighth, and eighth, dude. That's what. That's what you want. Like, you want Andy Reid like coaching your team when you have that kind of like that kind of talent on that well, offense.
1: Didn't you just say that Arthur Smith is running the Titans Tannehill offense? Yeah, but he's doing it way less efficiently than Ryan Tannehill is currently Correct. doing it. So, you can have success running that offense with Derek Henry Ryan Tannehill, but they're not even. They're not running that scout team, it feels like, watching them play.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. No, I do think that the Jaguars... Like, I mean, I think the Jaguars are... are they, they probably had their best game of the year defensively. Um, How can I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to... So, like, the Falcons looked so good in week one against the Panthers. They had a great oh, the comeback. Yeah, you, right, answered, well,
1: the own, you answered the wrong question there.
0: Well, they had a great comeback against the Packers. And then it's like the Lions and Jaguars... Maybe the Lions and Jaguars are just good.
1: I mean, you saw Desmond Rearer throw to two people that were wearing the exact opposite color uniforms. I don't know
2: yeah, if that I has was, to do I was with sorry. being good. Like I mean, even I, kids watching the Toy Story broadcast were laughing.
1: <laughs> all right, so, look, here's,
0: all right, so here's, here's the deal with the, with the Falcons' coming, upcoming schedule. And again, this is why I picked the Falcons as the most wins in the NFL, because this schedule is a joke. Now, the Texans have played well. If, if you li-
1: yeah, it's not a joke now. Texans I mean, that's- at
0: home, Commanders at home, lots. at Buccaneers, at Titans, lots. Vikings lots. at home, at Cardinals. Lots. They that's might win lots. two of those games. Maybe let's see how they do the next two weeks before we really panic on, on, on benching Ritter. Let me ask you this. And, and this now.
1: will, this will be a big determinant in how I answer the second part of this question. Where are the next two games played home? Well, that's great news because Des Ritter is four and zero at home and zero and four anywhere, but home. So I suggest they play the game in his living room and try to petition <laughs> the game.
2: Well, let me ask you this, Brenton. If the Texans beat the Falcons and the Texans are held to single or if the Falcons. Are held to single-digit points. You're, going to Taylor, tra- you're you're
0: starting Taylor Heineke in a revenge game against Washington. Okay, there you go. Boom! That's what I wanted to hear. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Yeah, if right. they don't, if they, Yeah, if, if if single digits, because they score. Um, yeah, Drake London. Oh yeah, because oh, do we ever find out the answer to that trivia question about Drake London? Yeah, Drake, Drake London, London, London in London. Drake London scored a touchdown in London, becoming the seventh player. In NFL history, to score a, a, a touchdown in the city of his that, sh- that shares with his last name, breach oh. re- found out Lamar Houston.
2: Lamar DJ Houston Dallas. scored a touchdown in Houston when he returned a fumble for a touchdown. Uh, Ryan DJ Dallas not on the list, but the Seahawks do oh. play in Dallas this year, so we have a chance to add himself There's to the list. A chance, uh, Washington running back Joe Washington. That's ah. Fine. Scored when the uh, Washington Stadium was in Washington, D.C. at RFK Stadium. So that counts. Oilers defensive back Ken Houston had a pick six in Houston. Uh, This was all the way back in 1971. Cowboys kick returner Mark Washington had a 100-yard kick return Mm. against Washington at RFK Stadium. Uh, And then, man, a lot of Washingtons here. Rams halfback. Kenny Washington scored a touchdown in Washington DC, uh 1948 maybe. So I feel like injured. you should only
1: get one one city per record. Like you can't have 15 Washingtons scored in Washington. Well, this well then we got one name. Houston,
2: one Washington, and one London in that case. I think we had two Houston's. Oh, we do. But two Wilson, said, Wilson said you can only have one name oh. per city.
0: So we have two Houston's, three Washingtons, and a London. Yes. So there's six uh, of them now. Sorry, not seven. All right. Yeah, six. All right. Moving on.
1: And this is, this is a saucy one. Oh, producer Harry's getting, getting frisky here.
0: Harry does a good job with these hot takes.
1: Apparently fellas, all is not right in Philadelphia. And I think this is actually a fair point.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Despite being four. zero, the cracks in the team showed in their overtime, close call against the commanders true that. And again, this is another example of a team for some reason, they can't beat their opponent. In this case, Philly seems to struggle with Washington last year. I think Philly started eight. zero, and Washington beat them in Philadelphia. Um, Luckily, luckily, as as Harry knows, the McLaurin catch was ruled out of bounds. No call on the false start. It's almost like the it's almost like uh, Harry's a Commanders fan, but he's not. He's a he's a, it's a Dolphins fan. Uh, no call on the false start on the tush push. And we heard our, our our buddy and boss EK talk about that. He is a Washington fan, in fact. And that led to the game-winning field goal in overtime. Uh, Reach. Should we be at all concerned? We have talked about all these teams that are successful. We talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Bills. Any concern about the Eagles, who are four zero, but have done it in a pretty ugly manner, week in and week out?
2: I would just say their offense hasn't looked as good as it did last year. They're not as much I mean they were a high powered machine last year that just was running over everyone. And so now you've had defensive coordinators that've had an offseason to kind of try and figure out how to slow it down and you lost off- that, you
0: lost your offensive coordinator too.
2: Right. You, uh, yeah, exactly. And so I do think they've taken a small step back, but doesn't mean that uh that's anything that's going to last. They might get better as the season goes on. But I think part of it has to do with the fact that Jalen Hurts just doesn't look uh, as accurate as he has in the past. It, I mean, he just seems slightly off, but he's still putting up fantastic numbers and they're still undefeated. So it hasn't been a huge deal. But I think he had, did he have an interception today? He did not, but he has three interceptions through four games. He only threw six interceptions all last season. So it's just Little less accurate with his throws, uh, but hey, look, they're winning, and that's all that matters.
0: So, uh, Brenton, is this we're, a we're just worth noting with Hertz, too? He had, um, he's carried the ball 31 times through, uh, or how many times did he carry? He had nine, so he's got 40 carries, he every 10 carries per game through the first four weeks of the season. Uh, last year, he was like, it was up to, to like 12, and he was, and he had um I, I also think the schedule plays into this a lot too like the eagles had a really easy schedule last year uh, e- easiest in the league as breach noted um and they they took advantage of it and, and and piled up you know piled up w's early and early and often and they're still doing that but hurts those just look a little bit off i think
1: is this a situation where frank reich leaves and doug peterson takes over and it's not the same is this in terms of shane steichen leaving for the, the colts job and brian johnson first year coordinator sort of Feeling his way through this, even though he's been on staff, because to your point, it doesn't feel like things are clicking play calling wise. But they're four zero; they're finding ways to win, and, and maybe they they to Breach's point, figure it out as they work through this together.
0: I think it's probably more the second portion of it. I think like Sirianni, Sirianni called. The, I feel like he calls the plays. No, I think Brian Johnson calls the plays. Oh, yeah, Brian Johnson. Okay, Brian Johnson. Okay, well, it was so was Steichen calling all the plays last year? I guess you can't Pretty remember. Sure. Yeah, I mean I think I think that's what it is then, right? Like it's it's not dissimilar to what you saw when Brian Dable left Buffalo for the Giants and Ken Dorsey takes over and you have faith in the guy. You expect him and like Dorsey's been much better this second year. So I, I think that's probably a big factor there.
1: The big irony is that Brian Brian Dable, according to the Giants fan, has been way worse, whether it's him or, or Mike Kafka calling plays. They want both of them to quit calling plays. So it, it's a weird thing. Uh but let me get you. Let me ask you this, Breach. You know that San Francisco's number one in the NFC. Who's number two? You're going taking Dallas over Philly. You're rolling with Philly. Going some other direction?
2: I'm gonna roll Philly. They're undefeated. They're beating everyone. I, it, look, I like the Lions. I like the Cowboys. Those would be my top
0: four. Detroit Lions,
2: it, Eagles at two. All
0: right. And by the way, Brian Johnson, uh, first year, 2021. As a NFL coach, I've been in college. I've been a coordinator, offensive coordinator, at um, three different spots: Utah, Houston, and Florida, uh, each for I think one year, maybe two years. At Utah, where he's the new coordinator, it's a whole different ball game when you're calling plays in like those sort of in those college offenses versus uh, doing in the NFL. And so I think definitely some adjustment there. Yeah, for sure. All right, one more to go, boys,
1: and we got to go talk about my guy Brandon Staley but in a good way. How have we going to talk about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers? I tried to, and, and Wilson punted. We're talking winners, and unless you want to talk about Mr. Trubisky, we're not talking about the Steelers. You it's want Mr.
0: Trubisky to play?
1: I would imagine Kenny's hurt, so we'll see what happens here. Uh, anyway, speaking of winners, my guy Brandon Staley finds new and exciting ways not to lose games despite his best efforts. Uh, this latest one involved somehow convincing jo- Justin Herbert to try to kill himself with Max Crosby. Uh, played the, the last
0: three or four minutes with with nine fingers. Um, that aside, the upside. And, aside, and and as Breach points out, t- told Antoine Winfield Jr. to get down on the ground after he intercepted the ball with nothing but open space between him and the end zone to score and like put the game away, even though there's like two minutes well, and 40 seconds left. Breach uh, that's Dante, asked, Samuel. That's Dante Samuel. Samuel, excuse me. Winfield Dante Samuel Jr. And... Breach was asking. We don't know whether Brandon like uh, I was I saw the video replay. He told him to get down. Uh,
1: either way, the upside, the positive, and I'd like you guys to quit harping on the negative with the Chargers, even though they went forward on fourth and one the last two weeks. Last week from the 24 and didn't get it with 151 to go. This week from the 34 they keep going up 10 yards, Breach, pretty soon they're going to be in the end zone uh, with about three and a half minutes to go. Couldn't get it on fourth and one either time. Whatever. But Khalil Herbert, Khalil Herbert, that's awesome. (laughs) Khalil Mack said, not on my watch. Six sacks in one game. He was treating Aiden O'Connell like he was Jeremy Garoppolo facing the Steelers last week. There's the graphic if you're watching on YouTube. Behind only Derek Thomas, who had seven sacks in 1990. You look down that list. Eight years later, Derek Thomas did it again and got six sacks against the Seahawks and then the Raiders. Uh, That Adrian Claiborne feels like the outlier there, but I remember that game pretty vividly in 2017 where he went off for the Falcons against the Cowboys. So, uh, Tyra Smith was inactive for that game, remember? Uh, I did not, but th- thanks for the, yeah. the note there. Um, so, Khalil Mack did the heavy lifting early. Brandon Staley and the Chargers hang, hung on for dear life because they charged it up against uh, a terrible uh, Raiders team. Uh, Brenton, where are you on the Chargers in their quest to make the playoffs?
0: Um, so, uh, it's a good question. And I think let's, let's sort of look at this from a global AFC picture. The Bills and the Dolphins feel like playoff teams to me. Does that feel fair? Three and one, both three and one. I mean, assuming health, right? Don't yes. you think Yeah. Like, I think I think the Bills are one of them's going to win the division. One of them's going to be a wild card. Uh, both of them are getting in. Baltimore, I'm pretty comfortable saying is a likely playoff team. And I think right now you could say I don't know on anybody else in the AFC North. Yeah.
1: Who's so, the only, who's the team you mentioned? The the
0: Ravens. The Ravens. Yeah.
1: So yeah, no, one else, no one else is getting into the AFC
0: North. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. All right, so we got Ravens winning the AFC North, Bills in as the, the winner, and then the Dolphins. So you just do it however you want. And this is sort of goes back to my AFC South point earlier. Uh, let's give one team the division in the AFC South and just have that team uh, make the playoffs. So then you've got the AFC West, which I think the Chiefs will win, obviously. And two more wildcard spots. And your wild cards come down to the Pats, the Jets, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, Jaguars, Texans, Titans, Colts, one of those teams that you don't have winning that division, Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos. I mean, I think the Chargers at two and two, even though they just like try to give these games away, are a pretty likely wild card playoff team. Ooh. And I don't, I don't, and the, along with the Dolphins, and then I don't know who the hell else the, other, the third one is. Maybe it is from the South.
1: So what's the percentage chance right now that the, that the Chargers make the playoffs?
0: um i mean i was gonna say like 55 percent Breach over under 55 percent under
1: so here's the thing let me ask you this breach yeah they go for fourth and one in the most ridiculous places at the worst times and they fail every time at some point they have to actually convert and win a game easily is that going counting into your math at all or it is counting into your math and that's why the number is so low
2: all right, well, here's my issue last week uh, when he did this, which is just unbelievable how this situation comes up so often in Chargers <laughs> games, as if the football it. gods are daring Brandon Staley to defy them each week it is, you know, we're going to put the crazy situation in front of this guy and just see what he does. Last week, he had his running backs who are averaging uh, two yards per carry in that game. I think actually like 1.8 yards per carry. And is that more than more-
1: one? Is that more than the fourth and one they needed to breach? Well, hold on.
2: So they go it four on fourth down against the Vikings. They don't get it mm-hmm. this week. What kind of crazy stuff did they think up? Well, they took their nine fingered quarterback, put him under center and asked him to run a QB sneak on fourth and what you don't even know if your quarterback can take a snap under center because he had his hand stepped on earlier in the game. They had him in shotgun almost primarily after, even though he really is in shotgun primarily anyway. But this is not a guy you want under center, especially at this point in the game. So it is just insane. That, like, <laughs> if you want to go for it on fourth and one, especially this one, I felt like they probably thought they could get it. Like, I don't necessarily hate the decision. I hate the play call. I hate everything that went yeah. with it. And the Chargers defy logic at all times. It's like <laughs> last week, the one play I wouldn't have called out of all their plays is the one they called. This week, QB sneak is the one I wouldn't have called because I wouldn't have trust Herbert to take the snap. So it is just really unbelievable. And... I, get it. I just think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot until they don't have a foot left. I don't know how many shots that so, takes. And so here,
0: that's where they are. The Chargers uh, over at DraftKings, minus 105 to make the playoffs, minus 115 to miss the playoffs. Now, take this with a grain of salt because those implied odds don't add up to 100%, but uh, one, uh, 51.2% the implied odds of uh, minus 105. All right, I'm let me not- ask you this, Brenton and Wilson.
2: You guys both answer this question. You can say, will they win or lose? Chargers versus Cowboys. Who wins?
1: Cowboys. I, I, I don't trust. And I say that not trusting Mike McCarthy any farther than I can drop kick him. And that's Brinton. not very
0: far. Chargers versus Cowboys? In a, in a like a Super it's Bowl? In a, game.
1: <laughs> in a game in
2: LA. I would be,
0: The Cowboys would be favored.
2: favorite. Okay. And Chargers Chiefs. Who wins? The yeah,
0: Chiefs I'm by right. 22 points. Well, Wilson. she used by
1: three points because Patrick. Mahomes OK, well, I'm
2: that. that up because those are the Chargers next two games. Yeah. And if they are two and four. Now, how do you feel about them making the playoffs? It's still 55 percent. You're
1: the one that's trying to talk. No, yourself you're the one no, to I'm talk saying they're in. not going to make the playoffs. I don't think like, But Breach, you're the one trying to talk yourself into the Bengals making the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, well, I'm a deranged Bengal. I have a
2: freaking white tiger helmet that I just bought right. this week only to w- watch him lose. 20, oh, you just bought it. Three.
1: It's nice. By, by the way, was it on to- clearance? Oh <laughs> I want to follow uh, I, up on what hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to follow up on what Breach said earlier about the going forward on fourth downs and both times failing. And the only reason they won those games, Breach, is because Kirby Cousins threw the interception in the end zone and mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell threw the interception at the one yard line. Otherwise, they're they're losing those games. And yeah, they um, won
2: this one because they got out Josh McDaniel Dan- by Brandon Saley. Yeah, he sucks.
1: Um, Brenton, let me ask you this because this is Harry put this in the notes, and I can't believe I didn't ask it to you jump street because this is your Reaches our pop culture correspondent. You are a revenge game correspondent. Was this Cleo Mack, the best revenge game in the history of Revenge Games?
0: Oh, thank you. I'm glad you did ask that. Um, it's up there. And Cleo Mack was asked about this. And obviously I I do deep dives upon the the comments that the players who are engaged in revenge games make. And Cleo Mac they're like, you know, is this one like more uh you know, was this was this a bigger deal for for you than um you know, than like previous games. And he was like, look, he's like, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to play well. He's like, I was, he's like trying to say he respects the Raiders. And that's why Oh, actually I have it right here. Hold on. Let's see. What did he say? He said, "Um, I mean, he said, I tried to tell y'all max after the game with a smile. It comes in bunches, but I had six. I'll take it. That is actually a bunch. Um, You can't say it's something extra, but it is what it is. I mean, obviously you want to play good against your old team, but just knowing where you came from and knowing that organization, what it meant to me to get drafted to that organization, it's a lot of respect, but it's a lot of wanting to get back to, at the end of the day, it's just another game. So Cleo Mack basically said, yes, this was my big, big, big revenge game. And um, I probably came here in part because I worked with Brandon Steele in Chicago, but also in part because I got to play the Raiders twice a year. And if I tell you it's just another game, I'm actually lying.
1: By the way, uh, Khalil had zero sacks coming into this game. So he, he uh, upped that number. Well, six. he
2: got helped by the fact that Aiden O'Connell apparently thought you get five minutes in the pocket after every snap. That <laughs> well, dude was
0: just holding onto the ball. you not I mean, Aiden, Aiden O'Connell and, and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson are in tough spots as far as rookies starting uh, you know, games this week.
1: And by the way, it's just a testament to, to the differences, and this is something that Brady Twins talked about. The differences between preseason, where defenses are just sort of trying to figure things yeah. out and work through some things, and because Aiden O'Connell and DTR both were superstar Hall of Famers in uh, the month of August, and uh, that changed right quick. Uh, DTR had three interceptions, and obviously a- AOC had the Browns
2: um, got obliterated.
1: Yeah, lost a couple of fumbles,
2: but I will say AOC
0: actually kind of seemed to quit yeah. a little bit in the second half. He
1: did. He I just he was, was going to so say through the interception more. to end the game. He was his trying to credit. force it They'd get it.
0: They, they kept cutting right to his wife a ton during that game too. She was sitting with AJ Cole's wife. Shout out to NC State product AJ Cole.
1: I think that's a perfect note to end on. All right, quickly uh breach, you have ten seconds and Brenson literally ten seconds. Sorry, I'm just going to end the podcast. Harry, get your finger over the end button in case Brenton doesn't follow you the already goals.
0: went ten minutes long. What's Give me
1: Brent breach in ten seconds, your breach VP for the day. My Breach
2: VP for the day is not Joe Burrow, is not anyone
1: on. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Brinson, who is your Brinson VP?
0: My Brinson VP for the day. Mm, I think I'm going to go Lamar Jackson.
1: That's a good one. We're going to talk Lamar. We'll talk about him next week, so don't get mad, folks. Mine's going to be CJ Stroud. Great job by him. That's it. That's a wrap. This edition of Sunday Night Super Friends is over, but don't worry. Reach Brinson. We'll see you guys back here in approximately 168 hours. I did the math. In the meantime, you can check out the Pick Six podcast all week on YouTube at NFL CBS, wherever you get your audio podcasts. All right. Thanks to all you guys who hung up with us tonight in the comments. Appreciate you for Brinson. Smash and the like button. And producer Harry, smash the like button. I'm and Wilson. Subscribe. See you next week. Bye.